So we're still on the daily episode podcast pledge drive. So if you like hearing daily podcasts, please go to patreon.com and become a patron. If we get enough patrons of the podcast, we will continue to make daily episodes. We're getting a lot of feedback saying that people enjoy daily episodes. And in order for us to justify spending the time, we need people to pledge more. So, so please go to patreon.com and become a patron of the podcast. If you've done it already, thank you so much. We love you very, very much for doing so. It really makes us feel like you are appreciative and that you like the podcast. It's just me today. I thought I would respond to a patron email. Remember that patrons always get preference when they ask questions or have topics for podcast episodes. So let me tell you a story about a client in the past. And remember that whenever I talk about my clients, in order to protect their confidentiality, I change details or I don't say enough to reveal who the person is. That I um, should use client examples in the effort of education and advocacy, but uh, I should always do my part to try to mask people's identities, which I think I do pretty effectively. If you knew the real story, you would say, oh, that was clever how you kept the essence of the story intact, but changed details enough so that it it doesn't break confidentiality or, or reveal who the person is. So let me tell you a story about a client. There was a client I had once. This was a long time ago, but a very memorable situation for me. It was a young woman, and she came into therapy because she suffered from depression, low self-esteem. She had some concerns about an eating disorder, possible eating disorder. And she had issues in her family. There were a number of things she wanted to talk about. She had been to therapy before, but she had never been to therapy with a male therapist. And when she came to me, she mentioned that, but it didn't seem that important to her at the time. We didn't really talk much about the fact that I was male uh, in the beginning. And so therapy progressed over time. And there were lots of twists and turns and bumps in the road and interesting events that occurred in her life. And over time, I began to uh, assess and believe that therapy was progressing well, that things were getting deeper. She was beginning to uh, combat her negative self-voices, and she was becoming more healthy in the way that she thought, and she was uh, feeling supported by me, and she was gathering support in, in her personal life. But something seemed off. Something seemed to be off about the uh, therapy as the months went by. I, I began to wonder if she was hiding something from me. I was getting a vibe that she was hiding something from me. She seemed very rigid and restricted as we talked. She didn't seem as fluid as she was in the beginning. But I'm the sort of therapist that if someone wants to hide something from me, I, I, that's fine. I, 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 in fact, I want them to hide it from me because if they're hiding it from me, they must have a good reason. And I'm not going to try to force them to tell me or, or 
ridicule them or judge them for for keeping something from me. It's okay. You can you can keep secrets from me. That's that's fine. I'm not hurt by that. In fact, I recommend that most people don't tell me everything in the beginning because you should require me to prove that you can trust me. And that takes time. So I began to get that vibe. I wasn't quite sure. But things seemed to be getting worse. And there were a number of different things that I could go into as to what made me think that things were getting worse for uh, the therapeutic relationship. But just trust me when I say that I was getting some some vibe and there was some data to back that up. And uh, it was a bit of a mystery. Then some more twists and turns in the therapy and more bumps in the road regarding her personal life. And I didn't see her for a time. And then she came back into therapy uh, a while later. I can't remember how long, months, maybe years later. And she told me that, uh, she told me uh, information that shed light on the vibe I was picking up on when I saw her last. She told me that because I was a man, that over time she was becoming more dependent on me, that she felt closer to me that she felt she could trust me more. And at the exact same time as she trusted me more, she became terrified of therapy. She was uh, experiencing physical anxiety as she sat in my office. And she struggled with it because rationally, in her conscious mind, she knew there was nothing to be afraid of. She knew I could be trusted. She knew I wouldn't hurt her. She knew that I had her back. She knew that I was a supportive, compassionate person. But her body or her, her limbic system or some other part of her psyche or body was telling her that she was in a dangerous situation. And not just any simple dangerous situation, but, but severe danger. The kind of danger that you feel when you're around, say, a you know, a psycho killer or something. The sort of danger you would feel if you were on the bus and suddenly you realize the person sitting next to you is a serial serial killer or a serial rapist or something. The kind of fear that you get when you're, you're quite afraid that someone is going to, to harm you and you can't do anything to stop it. That was the feeling in a nutshell that she was telling me that she was feeling. And... I was quite moved by her description, and I felt quite um, sorry for her. I felt bad that she was feeling that way about me. And I couldn't help feeling somewhat responsible, because as a therapist, I strive to make people feel safe and secure in their, in their talk, uh, to, you know, in, their, in the therapeutic relationship with me. But uh, she was telling me that not only did she not necessarily feel that, but she was feeling the direct opposite. She was terrified of me. And uh, that, that, that hit home. That was very hard to hear. And as we began to explore the reasons why, we collaboratively decided that it was because she had been hurt by men in the past during her childhood. And that as she chose a male therapist, perhaps for a good reason, 
that she wasn't aware of when she chose me. She began to work through those feelings in a very intense, uh, upfront way in the presence of me. As she, be- as she became closer to me, she paradoxically, paradoxically became more afraid of me and wanted to distance her- herself from me. And this complicated therapy. But at the same time, it provided a, a rich relationship in which we could begin to heal the wounds that she had. Well, so then recently, a patron wrote in asking about what she was referring to as fearful transference. She wrote, I have a history of abusive men in my life since childhood. And then she goes on to say that she's had a few therapists, but they were all female. And then she started working with a male therapist. And she writes, It was going fine for a few sessions until I started having some intense flashbacks and nightmares, which had happened before in my life, but this time they incorporated my therapist into the abuser role. It was horrifying, and it would happen during therapy. It's better now, but we're still working through it. End quote. So this is a very similar description as what I believe I experienced with the client I was talking about. So let's talk about fearful transference. This is the Psychology in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I am chair of the Couple and Family Therapy Program at Antioch University, Seattle, and and I'm also a licensed psychotherapist. Let's talk about the definition of transference first, just to make sure people understand what it is that we're talking about. Transference can be considered one of the many defense mechanisms. And essentially, it's just, it's just a specific form of displacement or even projective identification. But the, the definition, in a nutshell, that I'll provide, the simple definition is we, we transfer our difficulties that we've internalized from our early relationships onto our therapists. So in other words, as we grow up, we experience difficulties with particularly our parents we internalize those difficulties, they become internal conflicts, and then we transfer them onto our therapists, or we displace them onto our therapists. Or through projective identification, we reenact these difficulties with our therapists. For example, if your mother abandoned you as a child, you might begin to suspect that your therapist secretly wants to get rid of you as a client. So it becomes modified to fit the relationship. You wouldn't see your therapist as wanting to abandon you, per se, meaning move out of state and divorce your father. You wouldn't go that far. But the essence of the abandonment would be applied to the relationship with the therapist. So you might start having thoughts that your therapist secretly wishes that the session would end early or secretly wishes that you would just terminate and end the relationship, or secretly isn't really listening to you, these kinds of things. This is transference. And the essential nature of this is that it's a distortion. It's not accurate. It's not an accurate depiction of of what's really happening, in that the therapist is not really trying to get rid of you. You, you are merely seeing that because you're transferring 
your childhood difficulties onto the therapist. And the therapist doesn't actually believe that, nor is the therapist giving any indication of that. This is the nature of defense mechanisms. They tend to be unconscious, and they tend to be necessary to alleviate some sort of psychic pain. So the writer wrote in, the patron wrote in about what we what she's referring to as fearful transference. There's, there's no specific term in psychodynamic language that refers to what, what she's calling fearful transference. But there are a, an infinite number of types of transferences. You can have fearful transference, abandonment transference. You can have attraction transference. You can have... There, there's probably some large umbrellas under which many transferences fall under. But every transference is specific to the client. Every transference has a specific nature to it that's very specific to each client. So there's, there's an infinite amount, uh, and fearful transference, we might say, is, is one of those kinds of transferences. So let's get into what the patron is talking about here. From the description, it seems that as she opened up in therapy, as she began to trust her, her male therapist, as she began to uh, be, become more familiar with her therapist, she became more vulnerable to him. She felt that she was more vulnerable to being hurt by him, which comes uh, along with becoming more dependent and, and having a deeper relationship. When that happens, you inherently are more vulnerable to that person. And in relational therapy, that's a good thing. You don't necessarily want people to be vulnerable to you, but you want the relationship to be deeper. And if vulnerability comes along with it, then so be it. And, you know, good quality, competent therapists will, will live up to the hope of the client by not hurting the client, by valuing that vulnerability and respecting it. And that... Uh, through relationship therapy, people can begin to heal the wounds of the past. This patron indicated that in the past, she had only worked with female therapists, and this was the first male therapist she'd worked with. It's probable that since she had been abused by men in her childhood and throughout her life, that she learned effective ways of keeping her distance from men, that even though she might engage in relationships, she might have been very good at keeping them at a distance so that she wasn't vulnerable to being hurt by them. And as she began to deepen her relationship with her male therapist, all of that became difficult to uphold. It's hard to keep your therapist at a distance when the, the relationship is deepening. And so as the relationship deepened, she began to transfer her fear from her early relationships with with other men in her early life, she began to transfer that fear onto her therapist, even though he was not at risk of abusing her. And this is why relational therapy is so effective with complex PTSD. I've talked about complex PTSD in the past, PTSD meaning post-traumatic stress disorder, and complex versus simple, simple meaning you got in a car accident or you were assaulted once, you're you know, 25 years old, and you get mugged, that you could experience PTSD from that trauma, 
And that is what we call simple because it's just one event. But complex PTSD involves often a lifetime, particularly a childhood lifetime, filled with, with abuse and threatening events that occur often from people in your family, people you're supposed to be able to trust. And it's complex because not only is it post-traumatic stress disorder, but it's also involving your idea about human beings and how much you trust people. And it gets all wrapped up into one big messy ball. So again, this is why relational therapy is so effective with complex PTSD, because by experiencing and and thus internalizing an actual relationship with another person, her personality, this, this patron, her personality is changed on a fundamental level. The cognitive therapy does not provide this. And cognitive therapy is a dominant form of therapy in our, in our industry right now and often overused. It's a wonderful form of therapy for a lot of things, and I use it all the time. But when it comes to relationship traumas, it's important to not only use cognitive therapy, which can help, but also a relational form of therapy, psychodynamic therapy, interpersonal, this sort of, this sort of thing. Because the relationship between therapist and client can prove over time, experientially, to the client that they can trust someone. And as they learn to trust someone, they learn many, many things on a visceral level, not just on a cognitive level. They learn that they can trust someone. They learn that they're worthy of being treated humanely. They learn that not everybody is going to hurt them. They learn that they can uh, reach out to people that uh, are good for them and avoid people that are bad for them. There's, There's many things that they learn, again, not just cognitively, not just intellectually, but on a deep level. And this is how this form of therapy, psychodynamic interpersonal relationship therapy, this is why it works so well with, with complex PTSD is because it's, it's experiential. You know, you can go to someone and say, hey, you need to trust that person because that person is trustworthy. Well, that's all fine and good if the person doesn't have significant wounds that are, that are you know, interfering. If someone has, you know, extreme wounds from the past— and to some extent, we all have at least some of those wounds, then it it becomes uh, difficult to convince someone and or it becomes difficult to convince the self. The person might actually believe you. Yes, I should trust that person. But they'll find that they can't trust that person. And relationships are very weird. They're very subjective. And as... The relationships meander and go down different roads together. It's it's easy for us to impose our subjective experience and expectations onto situations. You know, if if you trust people in general, and your friend cancels on you, say at the last minute, I can't make it. I'm I'm too tired from work. Well. If you generally trust people and your wounds have either been healed or you don't have significant relationship wounds, 
then you'll tend to say, oh, okay, well, I trust that that person is, is being honest with me and, and ultimately cares about me. I'm a little disappointed, but, you know, it's cool. If you have significant relationship wounds, this is just going to be yet another example of someone letting you down and of someone tricking you and lying to you. And it hurts deeply. And so through the relationship with the therapist, and the therapist can navigate those waters well uh, if they're you know, a good enough therapist. When they do that, they prove to the client that uh, at least one person can be trusted. And through that relationship, it becomes internalized and becomes a part of the personality. And this seems to be happening with the patron because she wrote, it's better now but we're still working through it, unquote. So it seems that the therapist and her worked hard to uh, establish trust and stability and, and security in that relationship and that they both worked hard together on that. And it's better now because she doesn't fear her therapist as much as she did in the beginning. Her body is saying, oh, it's okay. I, I can trust some men. I, I'm, I'm worthy of being treated in a, in a good way. I'm worthy of not being abused. If you've never been abused, it might sound funny, that statement, that you need to be proven that you're, you're not uh, worthy of being abused by people. It's, it's a terrible tragedy that not only are abused children abused, which is horrible, those events, but they emerge from childhood believing that they deserve to be abused. In a sense, it's a defense mechanism in that it's hard to imagine why I'm getting abused. A person is saying to themselves, why me? Why was I abused while other, other people were not? Well, logically, it must be because I deserved it somehow. This is a, a trick the brain plays on itself in order to make sense of the world. Perhaps in a, in a way the child is trying to uphold the, uh, their, their ideal vision of their parents. All children need to have an ideal vision of their parents, particularly when the child is very young. They, all children need to believe that their parents are invincible because all children are very vulnerable and they know it, and they need to believe that their parents are all-powerful because uh, parents are there to help the children. So the, the children need to believe that their parents can save them from anything. And in order to uh, reconcile the, uh, the, the experiences and the memories of being abused, the self will say, oh, well, it's not because my parents are flawed. They don't, my parents are invincible. They can do anything because I need them to be that way. So the fact that they abused me, it must be because I deserved it because I'm a bad person. I'm not worthy. And so over time through the relationship in, uh, with, a with a therapist or frankly with anybody, any secure, safe relationship that's, that's experienced by, by all of us, particularly those who have been abused in their childhood. Any rela- these relationships prove to the psyche experientially that they can, they can trust people and the personality becomes altered. Defense mechanisms start to dissipate. Uh, Worldviews begin to change. 
possibilities open up. Self-esteem rises. The need for the abuse of alcohol and drugs goes down. The need for eating disorders uh, goes down. And so that's why relationship therapy is so powerful. So if you're a therapist out there, you need to, if you're this sort of therapist, if you're not, then, you know, forget everything I'm saying. But if you're the sort, if you're the sort of therapist that thinks the way I do, at least in part, uh, let's all remember to pay attention to transference and work with the therapeutic relationship. And getting back to my example, I perhaps should have detected or at least had a question about whether or not my client was having fearful transference. I was getting a a weird vibe, but it didn't occur to me that my client might be afraid of me in some way, that my client might be developing some sort of fearful transference. And if I would have known that, I might have been able to discuss it in some way and open it up for interpretation between us so that I could alleviate some of that terror that she was experiencing. So let's all try to pay attention to that and value that. And if you're a client out there and you're developing fearful transference or transference of any kind, and your therapist is a good quality therapist, know that you can bring that up. It is a wonderful opportunity in therapy to bring something like that up, to say, you know what, I, I've been thinking, and I, I know that this is not rational because you're a very safe person and I enjoy coming and talking to you, but when I talk to you, I'm terrified for some reason. I, I, it might have something to do with the, the abuse I went through as a child. I don't know, but I, I just want to bring that up, that you, I'm, I'm terrified of you. I, I guess I have this strange feeling like you're going to hurt me even though I know that you're not. But but I am. I'm just terrified uh, talking to you. Bringing these sorts of things out in the open as a client can not only be a wonderful opportunity for the therapist to help you, but it also is a differentiated way of approaching our own emotions. It's, a, it's an awareness way of being able to to look at ourselves and say, my, I, I don't know what's happening to me right now, but I'm having this, this experience and I just want to announce it. One of the best things that we can all do for ourselves when we're experiencing a difficult emotion is to, is to talk about it. That's why I'm in business. That's why the, the business and the industry of talk therapy has been around for over 100 years is because of the strange, magical quality of talking about our feelings. The, uh, you know, I say strange, magical, because it doesn't make any logical sense. And this is why a lot of people in our society don't go to therapy, even though it's gonna, it would help them, or they don't seek support from people around them because they believe, we believe as Americans in particular, that we should be able to do everything on our own. And that if an illogical feeling is getting in the way, we need to somehow, I don't know, tell ourselves to get over it. But it's a magical thing to talk about it with someone and let it out. Just tell your therapist, this is how I'm feeling around you. I felt judged by you. I feel disappointed with you. I feel terrified of you. And I don't know if it's me or you or both, or I don't know, but I just want to talk about that. I want to, I want to bring that up. 
there's no safer person to tell that to than your therapist. Your therapist is trained, and again, if they're a good, competent therapist, they'll be happy that you're saying that sort of thing. They'll, they'll, they'll be so appreciative that you trust them with that. And they will work to either apologize for doing something uh, to make you feel that way, or they'll value the, the open discussion and, and the opportunity to, to wrestle with that. All right, so that is the episode on fearful transference. Again, please become a patron. And to the patron who wrote in the email, thanks for writing in and trusting me with that information. I value all stories like this. And in a way, as, as a therapist, I uh, uh, get to hear perhaps the other side of the story. You know, my, my clients will be very open with me at times, but you never really know what they're truly thinking, <laughs> right? You never know what they would say about you to someone else. Well, when you guys write into me about your therapist, it, it gives me another look, another angle at understanding perhaps my own clients. So I have to say selfishly, I get something out of it too. And I hope you therapists out there also get it, get some, get some help out of that. All right. Well, that does it for another episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining me out there. And please take care of yourself because you deserve it. 